0: Hello friends, welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is gathering inventory data with my friend Sankulp Aurora. Sankulp is the founder of a company called Gather AI, and they are doing something almost unbelievable. Their motto is inventory management on autopilot. They're using (laughs) drones and AI to do inventory audits, inventory management. We all have WMS in our warehouses, but he's using drones inside of warehouses, and it's absolutely unbelievable what they're doing. And by the way, I had the conversation with Sankup. You start to realize this is just the beginning of where we're going to see drones in our business. Very, very interesting story. Very, By the way, Sankalp is a very, very interesting guy. So listen up. I know it sounds like such an innocent title, but it is really a glimpse of the future. So check out my conversation with Sankulp. So how's it going, Well,
1: oh, It's going great, Joe. Thank you for for letting us share what we are building
0: thank you so much my god i'm very excited about what you guys are doing we're going to talk about drones we're going to talk about gathering data you guys are doing some incredible stuff but you were introduced to me by our friend nathan lugo montanez over at stasi and he spoke very highly of you and i know you spoke very highly of him so nathan thank you so much for connecting me and thank you for coming on my podcast so Inter- please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today.
1: I'm Sankal Paroda, a CEO, co-founder at Gather AI. And Gather AI does inventory monitoring and asset tracking in warehouses. And we are based out of Pittsburgh, so I'm calling from Pittsburgh today. It's a rare bright and sunny. It
0: is bright and sunny here too. <laughs> yeah, I'm in, I'm in Detroit, not too far away. By the way, my old roommate was from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And we used to say, he's from out east, and he would always say, no, no, Pittsburgh's not out east. Philadelphia's out east. He says we're Midwestern. <laughs> I was like, how is it that? You're Midwestern. He says because we build stuff in Pittsburgh. He goes, and he goes, Philadelphia, they don't. I was like, really? I was like, <laughs> I, don't, I never heard that. But I've, I always ask people from Pittsburgh, are you part of the Midwest or are you part of the East?
1: Oh, can we claim both spots? Of course, I knew you'd do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the best of both worlds. I love Pittsburgh. It's a great place to visit. And so, please um, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started Gather AI. And then, what did you, what reason did you start Gather AI? What hole did you see in the market?
1: Alright, I'll go. I'll go per question. So, I, I grew up in India in Delhi. Did my undergrad there in Delhi College of Engineering, which is a government college there. And always, and this is very strange that I'm not even exaggerating. My cousins tell me, because I grew up in a big joint family, that ever since I was five to six years old, I used to say, I want to build robots when I grow up.
0: A lot of kids
1: say that kind of thing. They just
0: don't do it.
1: (laughs) 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 So I always felt that calling. So I was fortunate enough to be invited to Carnegie Mellon for an internship. As you know, Carnegie Mellon Education is, is top notch, but also it's very expensive. I did not have the means to pay for an education. What does it
0: cost for a year, at like in a master's program at Carnegie Mellon? Is it 60 plus?
1: Yes. Oh, most definitely. Because I, I got to CMU around 13 years ago. And at that time, it was around 50K.
0: <laughs> How'd you get in?
1: So I was doing robotics in India, contributed towards making India's first fully autonomous tank. For, for Department of Defense. And as a result, a professor here, Sanjeev Singh, who's also my mentor, offered me an unpaid internship and says, if I like your work, Sankalp, for three months, you can come here. If I like your work, I offer you a full-time position here. It's like, okay, this is my only chance to learn from the best <laughs> from the world. So I came here. My dad sent me here with in total three months by taking a loan to, to get my air tickets and gave me $1,500, which was a big deal for us back then to, to, be, to be in U.S. So fortunately, Sanjeev liked my work. You
0: must have busted your ass for those three
1: months. <laughs> <laughs> I remember 72-hour stints in the office for those three months and, and continued because CMU has a culture of, of excellence. So you are expected to put in that work. So yeah, fortunately, I got a job offer. And then since then, my master's and PhD was funded by, by the university and by Department of Defense. So really fortunate to, to get that education. So you
0: said you made a fully autonomous tank back in India. I can see why the Department of Defense is saying, yeah, 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 that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll spend a little bit of money on him.
1: It was awesome. Even here itself, Joe, I got the opportunity to work on the world's first fully autonomous helicopter. It's a full-scale helicopter which people can sit in. And DOD was using it for casualty evacuation. So one of my highlights of life, I can never forget this. I was standing in FBI training grounds in Quantico. There is this big helicopter that is flying itself that comes in. Five-star army generals behind me. Avoids trees, avoids wires. Lands in a plume of snow while avoiding the hay bale we had kept there. All by itself. And I got to just stand there and see. Oh, I contributed in building that,
0: and I'm glad it landed well because uh, <laughs> that you might find yourself back on the first first trip of the plane <laughs> back to to India if that didn't land right.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you're right because there are strict controls on confidentiality. So even if I worked on the on making it intelligent, the AI part of it, I wasn't allowed to touch the helicopter as as, as a foreign national. But it had just covered ten kilometers in under three minutes, and captured beautiful three D data of the area it had covered.
0: Yeah, I love what I, I love what you're doing because I, I I joke about this every once in a while on my podcast, but I don't think it's a joke. Someday you'll tell your grandchildren when I was your age, I was driving around in a car and I was I was the controller, and they're like <laughs> yeah, and they're yeah. like. Well, what do you mean? Wouldn't humans make mistakes? Oh, yeah, we killed about 50,000 people a year because people would be texting or playing with the radio or drinking or high. It would it, it will seem very foreign at some point that we let these flawed humans that we are drive and control vehicles and planes and, and helicopters. Most definitely. It'll be weird for us, though, the first time you get on a helicopter or get in a car where it says you're not driving because you're not as good as the autonomous.
1: Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and as a, as a robotics engineer myself, I am the last person to trust it. Because <laughs> I, I know all the things that can go wrong. I
0: say thing. this all the time about autonomous trucking. And we're going to get to, in a second here, what they're doing with drones in the warehouse and in stores and where else. But one of the challenges I think we have with autonomous trucking, and it'll be autonomous driving for cars, is it's front page news if there's an accident. So right now, unfortunately, we have accidents happening with truck drivers. And usually they're not to blame, but there's still a truck in an accident. Those are often very nasty accidents, obviously. That's not front page news. But as soon as an autonomous vehicle crashes, it'll be front page news worldwide, probably for a couple days. And that company will be sued. There'll be all sorts of lawsuits, of course. And so I feel like it's not good enough to be as good as a good driver, not even good enough to be as good as the best driver. You almost have to be able to prove we are better than the very best driver. And even then, the very best drivers can be in accidents because somebody else caused it. And that's the challenge we have with the trucks and and also with the cars. But I wanna talk about your autonomous drones now. Nobody dies if an autonomous drone does something wrong. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about your work at Gather AI and how you guys are using drones.
1: Yeah, no one no one even gets a scratch if if autonomous drone gets gets into a crash because they are little things, roughly the size of a laptop. So to just to just really explain it in the most basic terms what we do is our drones go around in the warehouse where a user can select, scan these locations. The drone scans those locations by itself, taking photos of the inventory. And those photos are converted into barcode reads, label reads, visible case counts, how much of a pallet location is occupied. Compared to warehouse management system, and exceptions are raised, all of that data being available on the web dashboard so that you have real-time visibility in how your warehouse is operating with each and every data point, having an image associated with it that you can see and validate.
0: Yeah, and I imagine before too long, you're not just going to read the barcode. If you're getting actual physical um, image of it, you're going to be able to say other things like, hey, this is not stacked correctly, or this is in the wrong location.
1: We are doing that today, Joe. Okay,
0: so so we're going to have more and more insights into our... Warehouse And you think about it, somebody says, um, yeah, my warehouse is 100,000 square feet and I have however many employees, but I can't easily audit what's in my locations. And I can't say, hey, guys, when you get a minute, just go through those thousands of shelves and tell me what's in the wrong place. It's not a job fit for humans. We're not like that.
1: Not at all. And, and given how warehouses are laid out they are so vertical in nature, it's a perfect job for something that, that flies around and takes images. There are, to your point, there are warehouses where we have reduced inventory taking time from 90 days to just 2.5 days with a single... single.
0: So let, let me st- start, start, oh, start at the beginning here. So I have a really good warehouse management system and it tells me I brought in 20 pallets. And I put them on, that's for one of my customers. And I put those 20 pallets on the, hopefully the right shelves, locations. And over over a week or two period, two pallets left in some format. Maybe they left on a LTL truck or maybe they left in small parcel. However they left, they left. So now I have 18 pallets. My system tells me that. I'm good. I don't need a drone to tell me. I already have a WMS that tells me. So why do I need drones to do inventories? I already, my warehouse management system does that for me.
1: Oh, this is so perfect. (laughs) Such a great question. Because five years ago, I wasn't a supply chain person. I had the same question. Why is this even a problem? Because it kept coming up. It's because warehouse management system is not a representation of what's physically there. It's supposed to be. (laughs) It's supposed to be, of course. And uh, it's the same reason that all standard operating procedures are supposed to be followed in a warehouse. But when you're operating with 70% attrition rate in, in labor and, and, and with the demands of e-commerce, the pace going up, it just, that's not the ground reality. If a put-away driver makes one mistake on putting it away and scanning it somewhere else, that one mistake leads to, to another mistakes because this WMS thought this was empty. It's not empty anymore. They will put it away something else and again scan it elsewhere. And your mistakes multiply. So if WMSs were perfect, there would be no use for us. And there would be no use for cycle counters.
0: Well, the the WMS is perfect. It's the input from the human. We are the weak link in (laughs) all
1: this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think WMS is is there to serve people. So it's a shortcoming of the system that we have arguments.
0: And by the way, um, before we hit record, we were talking about my buddy Chana, your buddy Chana over at Rabat. And they have a packing that Rabat wants to be king of the packing station. So if I'm putting stuff into a box before I seal it, they are checking to make sure I put the correct stuff in there. Again, another place where the system told me put four of those units in there and I put three in and if I was perfect... I have no need for robot, but unfortunately, I'm walking all over the place and I'm processing hundreds, if not thousands, of orders, and I'm going to make a mistake again. The humans being the weak link in all this. So, in a perfect world, not necessary, but we're not living in a perfect world.
1: Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. In, in a perfect world, it's not it's not necessary at all. But, but you're far from it. And warehouse operators would be the first ones or the honest ones would be the first ones to say we are far from it.
0: Right. So you work with warehousing companies. Do you also work for other companies besides warehousing companies?
1: So we are right now serving warehouses and distribution centers, but companies that hold those warehouses are 3PLs. They are air cargo companies and food and beverage distribution companies and retail warehouses. But But in distribution centers... And now we are slowly, slowly going towards solving the line down problem for manufacturing plants again within the warehouse. Moving upstream, you're, just, you're moving upstream. There's
0: one, there's one constant in supply chains. The problem is always upstream of the problem, right? That's, and that's, that's what you're always looking at. If there's a problem at at a warehouse, I'll consistently go upstream. There's a problem at the trucking company, go upstream. There's always something upstream that you can address to make this process work. So you started this company. I know I'm just curious, how did you know that this was a problem? If you're not a supply chain guy, how did you realize this has got to be a solution that, that the world needs now?
1: So I was convinced that drones are exceptional data gathering tools. And... In fact, I spent my PhD with my co-founders, Daniel and Gitesh, on making robots curious and effective data gatherers. So, and we started doing customer discovery. Again, customer discovery was funded by Department of Defense, where the breakthrough call was with an air cargo company, their global operations manager, Simon Clark. And he says, my main problem is inventory. So why is it? You know it's coming into the building. You know it's going out of the building. It's just a building. You know what's sitting in there. How do you make sure what's sitting in there is true? I I had people going on scissor lifts with with notepads and barcode Very dangerous.
0: Very dangerous being on a scissor lift or any sort of ladder that takes me to the top of a warehouse
1: building. I said, oh, I get it. I know I can solve this problem. Get me into your warehouse and I can show you I can solve this problem. And we went to their warehouse. What used to take them four hours we made a prototype, was only done in eight minutes with traceability of you can review images. And that's that got us started. We did, As we did more customer discovery, we discovered it's a problem, not just in warehouses, but also in retail stores. It's it's also a problem in manufacturing plants. So it just made sense that we can generate value here. And that's how we got started.
0: So it's interesting when we think of drones, I think, of course, we all know and have seen with the conflict in Russia and the Ukraine, I should say. We've seen drones in a military sense, and I think we're all kind of used to there's drones that are collecting information. But when you can take pictures and start using machine learning and artificial intelligence to start identifying what is that box, and is that box irregular? Is that box ripped? Is that box askew? Is it the wrong location? So you said you're, you're, your PhD, you were working to make drones more curious. What do you mean by that?
1: So they can reason about how to effectively gather data given their own limitations. For example, you and I, when we reason about, when we are driving, for example, on a, on a traffic signal, we are stopped. We look around actively with our eyes to figure out where is what Form a state of, oh, this is what the world is, and then act on it, if you are attended drivers. If drones can be made, or robots can be made intelligent, oh, this is how I can gather data effectively. Which is, I have this camera, how do I use that camera to read this label? How do I use this camera to read a damaged box? And while I stay myself localized within the warehouse, that is making a drone curious. It's reasoning about its own data gathering capabilities and, and to achieve the mission it's supposed to achieve.
0: Yeah, I've seen, I've read a book a while back, I think it was called The AI Superpowers, and it was talking about it was talking about artificial intelligence, or I, I never know what the difference between AI and ML, but let's just say AI and ML are identifying a cat. And they said, we as humans, if you have a cat in the house you notice a, what something by the door and it could just be the tip of your c- cat's tail and you go, well, oh, that's the cat. Why well, need AI at machine learning, right? I need my drone to say, yes, that's the, a cat. But that is, there's a context that I have is I know I have a cat in this house. So if I see that, now, if I don't have a cat in the house, I wonder what the hell is that? What is that? I know it's, I know it's not a cat tail. So how do you get your drones to have some context about well, I know I don't have a cat in the house but
1: oh so beautiful yes such a good question uh, two two ways once when we when we start a deployment we map a warehouse so that that's how the drone gets the geographic context or the layout context of the of the warehouse then we also download data initially through csv exchanges from the wms and WMS gives us the context of what is it expected to be there. And we can compare it to what are we actually seeing. So that context is seeded immediately in the facility from the WMS and the mapping process. But larger context is gathered through. Now we have millions of images across of our, our multiple customers of what inventory looks like and what it's supposed to look like. We feed all of that context into our machine learning algorithms and they keep getting better. So over your
0: time. drones getting smarter, are they getting more information from other warehouses every day or just the warehouse they're in?
1: So they, are neural network, which is the machine learning algorithm, that is getting smarter with each scan we do. But that data is not visible to anyone but our neural network.
0: Man, and, and it's funny, it's the same with over the road trucks, the ones I talked to, um, Kodiak, the founder of Kodiak, and mm-hmm. he was talking, I think they have a truck that has run over a million miles between Houston and Dallas, which I think is 200 some miles. And so they've, now they have a driver in that car or in that truck. And he said that it's picking up that data. Every truck that's doing that route is gaining that information. So it's not just the truck that's learning the one location, it's the entire network. And I think what's also interesting about that is it's going between Houston and Dallas because they have very little weather events. Now, it would be very difficult to do that in Pittsburgh or Detroit (laughs) because it could snow or rain or sleet virtually any day of the year. And we also have the wind, you know, the wind to pick up and branches be down. So he said even in rain, rain or a storm where the wind blew a branch or leaves onto the road, all of a sudden there's... There's a problem. Now I know we don't have weather inside the inside a warehouse, which makes at least one of the variables go away. Are there other variables that make it worse in a warehouse?
1: Oh, most definitely. And this has been a learning journey for us. But now, now we are fairly robust. One is lighting, because most of the warehouses. The modern... light
0: goes out. It's not the same picture, is it?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, mo- and actually, most of the modern warehouses are uh, motion-triggered lighting and there is electricity saving to be had with that but also reduction of carbon footprint so our drones had to learn on how to fly in complete darkness so we can fly and take inventory in complete darkness with a little light mounted on a drone
0: or it could fly up and trigger the, uh, the light
1: <laughs> but we i th- i don't think we want to we want to do that just because the drones are so small it will have to have an added hardware to actually trigger the light we don't want to because we, we are hardware agnostic like you can buy buy drones out of best buy that can then we use the same drones because i think our customers don't care about the drones they just care about the data and we have taken the approach of let's let's bring in the most tested drones which are the consumer drones out there the most reliable hardware and then put that in warehouses.
0: So you said to me, I think before we hit record, we don't care about how it's collected. We want the information. We want the data. So what are you guys doing with all this data? I mean, what are your customers doing with all this data?
1: The most important thing that our customers get is real-time visibility in what's on the floor in their warehouse or what's in the racking in their warehouse. And that gets converted to, oh, one of the customers used to for example, send out every time if a truck would come in, they would start doing cycle counting right after put away. Now they just use a drone and it reads to six MHEs or six four scissor lifts being used for cycle counting. Now it's just a single drone. There are customers that are passing on that visibility for SOP adherence to their customers and their customers are actually happy to pay for that data stream. There are customers that are actually using it within the warehouse to monitor how the teams are doing and making their operations better because now they know whether the stacking norms are being followed, whether which aisle is making more mistakes versus another aisle.
0: Yeah. You know, it, as you were saying that, it hit me that if you and I were working at a warehouse and I didn't have a drone expert with me and we somebody said, hey, uh, you guys work here every day. Take, the take today and just do inventory, uh, uh, an audit to make sure that what our WMS says is true. If we were honest, we would actually do the work we said we we're supposed to do. But we might say, you know what, that's just a tremendous amount of work. Yes. Let's just find a few, few abnormalities and say we updated the WMS for these five issues. By the way, if you asked us that, one of the things that could be said is, hey, we're missing a whole bunch of we're missing a pallet of electronics. We could have stolen that. I'm not saying we did, but we could have stolen that. And when we're doing the physical audit, we don't reflect that we stole that. We're leaving here. We're going to quit in the next month anyway before anyone notices. So by having your team, plus let's just say there's a missing pallet and we didn't steal it. Do you want to be the ones telling the boss that, hey, boss, by the way, on our our watch, we lost a pallet of, electronics worth $10,000. I don't want to tell the boss that. So I think you're at risk. <laughs> you're at risk if you ask Joe and Sankal. First off, we're, we're not going to want to do all that walking and climbing ladders. We are going to lie to you. <laughs> That's how we are.
1: <laughs> this is so real, Joe. There is a customer called me last week, one of our earliest customers. Now we are in all of their facilities in U.S. Said, Sankal. And now we have a personal relationship, right? Because they they tried us when we were really new and young. Sankar, you found me a million dollars worth of misplaced inventory last year per facility. And that is just so validating. Exactly.
0: That's the same with happening with
1: you and I. We did not steal it. We just misplaced it. No one stole it. It's just misplaced within the warehouse.
0: Well, we misplaced it in your truck. We'll bring it back. (laughs) Well, yeah. So this is the end. And we do also, We you mentioned earlier on, we have a labor problem so this in is this business. End. This, working in a warehouse is not a great job. Until we make that a job that is the first step in a supply chain career, then we're going to have people who don't feel like this is a good job. I would rather go do DoorDash. I would rather find some online job. I don't want to walk seven miles a day and lift things. So I think... We have a labor problem. And and by the way, we also have a security and a safety problem if I ask my team to go to the ceiling of this building to audit. And by the way, I would wouldn't personally would be frightened to be that high up. And when you're frightened, you're not necessarily trying to do the best job. You're trying to get down off that scissor truck or ladder or whatever took me up there, right? So this is not a good job for humans. We, we are dishonest. We are lazy. <laughs> we, we are prone to errors. We don't like being in heights. Your drones don't suffer from any of that unless you program <laughs> that way. And if you did, we got a bigger problem.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> such a useless drone. I'm afraid of heights. But can I pose it differently? I think us people are good at creative problem solving.
0: Right. That's where we belong.
1: That's where we belong. And not for a, for tedious tasks. Taking inventory in a warehouse is a tedious task. This is
0: a robot job.
1: Yeah. And the, the impact it has is you get more engagement with your people as well. Because they know there is accountability. There's image of everything that is stored in the warehouse. And your warehouse goes from being reactive, running inventory fire drills, putting more pressure on people to automatically driving accountability and being proactive because the boss knows everywhere no matter where in the world they're traveling they can just peek into the warehouse and see how everything is stacked and not just a CCTV view but really how inventory is stacked right
0: and by the way we if you think about what's happened in the warehousing business prior to e-commerce if somebody said I would like a warehouse I need one in the US you'd like well get Indiana somewhere in Indiana because it's it's within one day of 65% of the U.S. population good enough. And we did that. That was the way we worked for a long time. But now with same day and next day, and I think it's mostly next day still, we need to be closer to the populations. So if you think about the old mall that went up in the 70s and 80s, those malls were close to the expressways, close to the people, close to rail railhead. But That's why they put them all there is because the people were there. So now we're starting to see companies, warehousing companies want to be in an urban area. We've never wanted to put warehouses in an urban area. But if I'm going to put it there, it's going to have a smaller footprint but it has to be taller. So I have to go vertical. And if I don't have the ability to get it down from the top shelf, I can't put it up there. So I'm going to need some lifts that put it up there, but I'm also going to need that drone or something that can do inventory up there. So, this is a problem that is relatively new. This wasn't a problem we had so long ago because your warehouses were out in the country in the past, they were in the suburbs.
1: And there's another aspect that e commerce has brought in. For example, I used to ship, for example, as a warehouse, maybe 65,000 jeans to Walmart, a store. And now I have to ship a pair of jeans to Joe. So my inventory accuracy has to be really high so that I don't miss that order. So the tolerance for inaccuracy has gone down with e-commerce.
0: Yeah, you know another thing, when we talk about order quality, of course that's important, but yeah, e-commerce, you might be doing tens of thousands of shipments a day versus, you know, hundreds. And, but there's another aspect of this, which is the sustainability. We now know that upwards of 30% 30% of the stuff that we build never gets to an end customer. It's put on a shelf somewhere. And by the way, if you've ever been through, like, i uh, call it an old warehouse, old warehouses, they had no idea what was in there. I mean, yes, you don't. walk through that, everything's dusty, everything's dirty. You don't even want to go back to the back. Who knows what's back there? We don't want that anymore. We won't tolerate that anymore. No one wants to work there, but also I don't want my stuff stored there. I'm not going to, if I go to a warehouse and it's dirty, excessively dirty, I don't want my stuff there. If there's stuff that looks like it's been there since 1975, I'm not working there. We have to figure out a way to take things off the shelf. And I say there's certain things perishable. Anything that's electronics is perishable. I don't want a laptop that's been on a shelf for a year. I don't want a mobile phone that's a year old. I mean, we have to figure out. And granted the WMS can tell me, but also it needs updates to tell me, "Hey, guys, this is this is one more piece of data to help me remind me get this stuff off the shelves." So time, time to find the wholesaler who will p- take this off my hands.
1: And it's it's great that you bring up sustainability, and we don't share this as value proposition. Our customers have shared it back with us when you are able to remove six MHE's from your facility. The the energy costs also go down and and your carbon. But more importantly, if you're picking something or taking inventory of something that is 15 feet high, and I apologize for the units here, they may not be relatable, but a forklift roughly takes 250 kilojoules of energy and a drone takes 1.5 kilojoules of energy to do the same thing. So it is just for taking inventory there is there is in our own little way unintended consequences we are helping out reducing carbon footprint as well yeah it's it's
0: also uh i have a friend well he sold it now but he had in right over in canada over right over the border from me he had a warehouse where he stored documents and he said we don't let anything that's that can can start a fire in our building and you know there's there there is a safety issue I mean again, there's think how much value is held inside a warehouse, and we don't want when you when you got a forklift, those things can do some damage in many many ways in the wrong hands but um anyway, let's switch gears so let's just say I do want i don't wanna do inventory with my own people anymore uh I want you guys to help me out with that. How long does this take to get set up? So let's just say somebody's listening to my podcast and they say, Sankulp, I heard you and Joe talk
1: and I want this. How long does that take to get that rolling? So we take for, let's say, a 30,000 pallet location facility, a medium-sized facility. We will take two and a half weeks to set up where we do not disrupt your facility at all. Just two of us, our engineers show up, map your warehouse. And go is how do you map a warehouse? I'm just curious. Are you doing that with drones? Oh I wish. So we have really invested in making our drones autonomous after the warehouse is mapped. We still map a warehouse quite manually actually. With people do you with, have laser uh, pointers or? laser yes, exactly. And then we map in Map the warehouse, then our drones are ready in two and a half weeks. I imagine
0: one, one of these days your drones are going to map a warehouse for you.
1: You're absolutely right. <laughs> that will happen. Most definitely it will happen. Our internal product roadmap for that is roughly one and a half years away.
0: Interesting. And then that drone's looking at you and saying, we don't need him. We should do that job.
1: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs>
0: he has no value. He's illogical. <laughs> <laughs> so you you map a warehouse, so that takes two and a half weeks and then and then do you
1: bring them drones,
0: or do yeah, buy we bring them?
1: everything? No, no, we bring everything as a plug and play system. and we 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 spend two days shadowing the team who's who will be responsible, which is usually the inventory control team, for running the drones. and then as they as they do their jobs but now start making use of drones in their workflow, and we just leave and they're they're ready to go. They just press buttons on what they want to stand. Do these
0: drones work all the time, or are they just deployed when you want an audit?
1: So most of our facilities are using them all the time because they want, like, they want the visibility into up, up, to, up the to the minute, minute on what's. So
0: yep. when when I put in the system, I move two pallets out, and your drone might have shared some data that no, he, Joe moved three pallets out. it'll list a discrepancy in my WMS?
1: Yes, in the WMS, but most of the WMSs don't have ability to interface with images, right? Because they're mostly text-based interfaces. So we also have a dashboard where we can not only show you that or, or share, oh, there's an exception, but show you where the exception is. So you can visually verify it without getting up from your desktop.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And again, if you can save somebody the there's just warehouses can be huge. People talk about million dollar million square feet and I always think it's easy. I'm sitting in a chair talking about, it. I'm not walking that warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you guys do these all the time audits, is there anything else that your drones are doing within those warehouses other than gathering, again for the title, gathering inventory data?
1: I think we still just gather inventory data and that's all. The impact of that is quite interesting.
0: Oh, it's it's it's, it's enough. I'm not saying it's not enough. I'm just wondering if there was other things they're doing.
1: No, not immediately. I think long-term roadmap is obviously to go to yards that are attached to these warehouses and start gathering inventory data of yards and and then ports and bear with me joe i think long term i i i hope and i know i know you have some reservations against this but if if your house ever needs a roof inspection hopefully you just go to an app and and say inspect my roof oh my, don't care, my mom man. had uh,
0: my mom had a roof replaced and they they didn't go up there they had a drone come by and check it out, and <laughs> I'm I'm all for the drones, but we were I was I say it somewhat tongue in cheek, but we're gonna have to figure out how drones fly. That's one of the challenges. Absolutely. And you said that's one of the things that drove you indoors is that we do have a challenge because I don't think any of us want to be out on a nature walk in the country and see. Dozens of drones flying by. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, we
0: don't. <laughs> and and I can also just see like if you're in New York City or Chicago or any major city where the sky is dark with drones delivering stuff. I do think there's a solution to that. We'll figure that out. And maybe it's you know again it's we figured out the first for the the fact that we have drones is fantastic. And by the way, I think we've all seen that a sci-fi thing where the where the it's a drone f- zips up, takes a picture, and zips away. And it always seemed like this—that's that's not working. But now we now, what we know, what it's doing—it's collecting data. Oh, by the way, I wanted to ask you this: every once in a while, when I'm on a website, it says "prove that you're human," right? Which I think is ironic that a robot is asking me to prove that I'm human. <laughs> but but I have no choice. And it says, "click here" anytime there's a, a street light, a street street signal, right? The and uh, traffic signal. I'm sorry, and so I click, I click, I click. So there's like six boxes. I always screw that up, and then it says try it again. And I try it again, try it again. And somebody told me that that information is being used for feeding AI
1: to, to educate. Get is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that, is that Microsoft collecting that or Google? There is actually a Carnegie Mellon spinout, Recaptcha.
0: Yeah that's yeah I've seen that yeah captcha
1: yeah, that I I think that company got sold to one of the big players I don't know which one but every time you are clicking on this is a street lamp this is a street lamp this is a street lamp and ml algorithm is understanding oh now human has given me this precious data of this is what street lamps look like and I'll get better at
0: it. yeah so as we all educate is that machine learning that's learning what that is? And then yes. what is the AI part of machine? So machine learning is the recognition of the object. What does AI do, artificial intelligence?
1: Oh, I love this question because you know how mass media has plastered AI and ML everywhere. Artificial yeah. machine learning, they've become these useless words now. But to me, as someone who has been an academic in in over the last decade or so, Machine learning is a subpart of artificial intelligence. It's a, it's a subset. Like it's about we say, oh, you are doing math or are you doing geometry? No, geometry is just a subset of math. And in what has been typically the case, machine learning has more gone towards, a, how do I take data generated by people and train a computer on it? Whereas artificial intelligence is how do I do more logic based intelligence things. For example, for our drone, if someone has selected 10 places to visit, what is the most optimal path to visit those 10 places? That is more logic driven. So typically, that is where people bifurcate it.
0: Right. By the way, somebody, the, a guy, who is was from India, he lived in India, he was on my podcast and he kept saying, he was saying AIML, but he was saying it quick. He's like, and he had the accents. so he's like, I'm all, I'm all. And I, was, I finally like, well, could you explain I'm all? What that is and he goes it's A-I-M-L. I was like oh uh, sorry but he said it so often but anyway so your drones you can get those set up very quickly what is the return on investment for this how many, how soon does it pay for
1: itself so we charge a nominal set of fees which is the setup you know the setup and a and a monthly subscription for the data and then and, and the drones because end user does not own the drone, so everything goes bad within 24 hours. There's a new drone that arrives at your desk and that is ready to go. So most of our customers see an ROI with it; it pays for itself within the first four months.
0: Nice, nice. Now, um, does this easily hook up to my WMS? These drones, or is, are they are they always in a separate system?
1: It's such a good question. So the answer to both of them is yes. We start with not involving any IT. We just request the warehouse manager to start doing sending us CSVs, automated through emails or, or FTP, which all WMSs can do. So
0: CSV, CSV is just the, like that get like download yes, file Excel. out of yes. uh, mm-hmm. my WMS.
1: Yes. So, so IT doesn't need to get involved in an integration. As we start generating value, we start raising exceptions, then we involve ID and do an easy integration with the warehouse management system.
0: Yep. And by the way, I've I've had the guys from Softy on my podcast a number of times, and one of the last times we talked, they're W. They're one of the top WMS companies. And one of the things they said is, you have to find a WMS that is built to integrate, because older systems just said, we do everything. We don't need any help outside. But now the modern warehouse, if you have a a sophisticated warehouse, there's going to be all sorts of automation. I need my WMS to integrate with all the cool automation. And who knows what we will be bringing in the next few years. And that's the same with our transportation management systems. We used to think of our WMS and our TMS as A world all by itself. But now we look at them as it's a framework for fitting in all the other technologies. And when there is a next killer app next year, I want it. And I don't want to be told if I can get the guy to come in, it'll be 10 weeks from now and it's going to take 10 weeks to integrate and it's going to cost $100,000. Nobody wants that anymore. We can't. And by the way, there's people who are doing it the right way so we don't have to worry about doing that anymore. And I think the bigger problem is the older older systems which let's face it they were around a long time ago. They were adopted by probably industry leaders. Uh, even those guys are building in integration la- layers that allow us to bring our cool new toys and integrate them quickly. So, I can get this up and running in 2 weeks. It's pays for itself within a f- 4 months. And I think it's a really nice selling. I think it's when I bring in um, new customers, I can say, hey, you know what, you go down the street to our competitor and they, they will give you an audit, inventory audit, every once a quarter, once a year. We do it every day.
1: You get it, Joe. And our 3PL customers are actually putting a premium on it and are winning contracts saying, oh, I will give you visibility to the extent of even you can see photos of your inventory if you want. So suddenly it's like, oh, I can have trust as a 3PL customer on how my inventory is being stored. So that's that's happening.
0: I love it. I love it. It's it's It makes things a lot easier. I mean, I, the, the, we're going to have to find a lot more ways to automate the warehouses because again, I just, and I don't say this in a negative way in any in any sense, but Sankal, if you have children, you aren't educating them to go work in a warehouse in a manual job. You might say, well, I want my kids to work in a warehouse. I want them to do it an, an, an engineer's job, the tech's job. And that's the problem. We're a wealthy country here in the United States, and there's many other wealthy countries where we are going to struggle with labor in warehouses. And t- Until we start making those jobs the first step of a supply chain career, we are going to have a problem. And we have, to, we have to make this job a lot less dangerous, a lot less walking, a lot less manual. So what's next for you, Zankal? What's next for Gather AI? And then what's next for drones in general and as as used in the supply chain and especially uh, for for uh, things you're close to?
1: What's next for us? Well, next for us is we are taking the value that we have delivered for our early customers. I say early now, we have been around for five years. But the thing that I'm really proud of, Joe, is in our, our team, the work that they've done. Each customer that has more than one warehouse that has engaged with us have has expanded to more than one warehouse with us. So now we want to just... That's a pretty good sign that it works. Oh, yeah. It's been a joy just driving that success and driving that value. And I we are now taking that value to more and more number of people and scaling quite rapidly In in that sense. In terms of the product itself, the inventory teams and even now warehouse managers are spending more and more time on our digital platform, the dashboard. So now on our dashboard, not only we are providing inventory data, we are providing facility insights. The next thing that is coming is insights about the network. How is your network doing and how different facilities are ranking. And inventory teams are actually doing actions and assigning each other actions and and each team's actions on our web dashboard. So the product is growing to become more of a home for warehouse operators. In terms of our data gathering capabilities, short term we are staying indoors, but medium term we are we are integrating with yards. So it is a single platform to get yard inventory and visibility in your warehouse. Those are also
0: can be very time consuming
1: difficult jobs for humans to do yeah and it's the especially flying vehicles are very well suited for those for those aspects because in fact my final result of my phd was a demonstration for department of defense where a soldier can find all the cars in an area while hidden behind a hill in less than 5 minutes for an area of 33 football fields in less than 5 minutes and and get their number place just because you can have these flying vehicles do that for them
0: Well you think about right now people are being told you know at a port hey joe send could you go out and tell me where these containers are yeah <laughs> that's that's a rough job i mean that's and again it's it's also my system might t- tell me that was unloaded but maybe it hasn't been unloaded maybe it's still on a truck somewhere or on a, a ship somewhere. So we have to get better and better. This is this is going to help streamline the supply chain. And it, it, by the way, we're seeing this everywhere. I forgot the name of the company that's that's checking stuff as it leaves the dock. So they have a tower that says, we are going to check every barcode. every pi- We're going to take a picture of everything that's getting loaded. And it's just one more data point. So when later on, when somebody says, we had 17 pallets loaded on that truck and somebody says... No, you're supposed to have 17. You only have 16. Well, now, now we have to debate. Well, now if I have a tower that just said, not only did I take video pictures, I'll tell you the system said 17 and you only loaded 16. Where's the other pallet? Catch me before the truck goes on the road. And I think we're going to see more and more of these checks. They tell us the system data is correct or fix it before before it gets costly.
1: Absolutely, I think thus far these softwares have depended on people to do data entry. I think now the difference that is happening is data entry is now driven by autonomous things.
0: Yeah, God, now that you think about it, it really makes sense to say drones checked checked this in. Drones checked before it left. Yeah, I mean it's just another check to make sure that I'd much rather be told. You didn't load the proper amount of product in there before it's on the road. Absolutely. Yep. So I like to interview smart, interesting people like you. Who else should I interview on my podcast?
1: Someone I've had the joy of working with and he, is, he has mentored me through early years of our startup is Nils Alsted. Where does he work? He works at Phantom Auto. And they do remotely driven forklifts. Oh, my goodness. Everything's everything's being done. So remotely,
0: uh, I'm, I'm curious. So it's not autonomous. It's remotely.
1: Yes, it's remotely. So I could be sitting in Pittsburgh, for example, and driving a forklift in Detroit.
0: <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And by the way, I'm pretty sure that those forklifts now, a lot of times they have cameras on them. And they are saying... And and that that seemed really pretty simple, right? So it can tell you whether the forklift crashed or or dropped something. But now more and more it's telling me, was that the proper box to pick up? I love it. I love it. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile and a link to your website. What's your website?
1: Oh, yeah, we gather.ai.
0: Gather.ai. It's funny, when you were introduced to me by our friend... Nathan Lugo Montanez. And I remember he, I, was looked, I was like, what the hell is Gather AI? And I kept thinking to myself, I hope this is related to logistics and supply chain. Um, <laughs> and it clearly is. So I, I should have trusted Nathan. But I, I love what you guys are doing. And again, we have so many problems in the warehouse with labor shortages and all the other things we discussed. And I love that, love that you're, you're taking a job that doesn't, that humans don't do well. And it's, it's dangerous for us. And you're freeing up the humans to do human work so the robots can do the robot work. What conferences will we see you guys at?
1: So we have already, we are hitting the circuit. We have already been to International Warehouse Logistics Annual Conference. There's a technical conference coming up in September. Where's that at? Oh, I forget the location. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> well, what, what is the name of it? It's the Airhouse, uh, International Warehouse Logistics, and Logistics As- Association. Association. And this is the technical conference in September. We were just at Promat uh, last week. I want to say last week, and uh, we are also going to the Southeast Warehouse Association conference in June. I want to say. So nice. Mostly connecting with third-party logistics players in at places places they they like to discuss the real challenges they are facing and see the real solutions in action. I have to say, we at all the conferences, we are the only drone that is actually flying, and you can come up to our booth and take inventory using our drone. Even in Promat, the largest automation technology conference in US, we were the only drone that was flying. Really? Interesting. There are other companies out there, but I think this product takes some doing and takes some technical expertise. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's but man, once you get that working, it's just I can't envision that this isn't a best practice within a few years where if somebody says, "Well, don't pick a warehouse without one."
1: Absolutely. Yes, and th- that that will happen. And I think it just takes we are uh, we are very very proud of our product and the value we generate, so we we want to share it as much as we can.
0: Yep. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile, link to gather.ai and uh, any other links you and your marketing team give me. I'll put those in the show notes and uh, we will see you at one of those conferences. Did you go to Manifest this year?
1: I was at Manifest. Actually, Robert and Chana got me there. So I was like, you have to be here. I was like, okay. I <laughs> <laughs> I saw
0: I saw Chana and his wife from Rabat. I talked to him and I talked to him at a cocktail party. And yeah, it was good to see him. I, I, by the way, I hardly ever see any of the people I interview in real life. So I joke about it. if Elon Musk was time on his simulation, he could have done it to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I work from home, and I and I think yeah, I think I know these people. I think I meet them. They could all be they could all be uh, fake, I guess. <laughs> What's
1: your next conference, Joe?
0: I think I'm going to go to the I think I'm going to go to the Transportation Marketing and Sales Association down in Savannah in June I just talked to Jennifer from the, from there I saw her at Manifest and I'll of course be back at Manifest next year. Yeah and, and there's a uh, somebody keeps sending me notes about some other conferences coming up here in Chicago. I know a lot of people just got back from Shop Talk. So yeah, this is the circuit circuit this is the circuit <laughs> right now. But um I love what you guys are doing. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much for letting us share for what you are building. And um, hopefully we can create more and more impact for our customers.
0: I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.